0: Hey everyone and welcome back to the Redbeard Outdoors podcast. I am Jonathan, your host. And here at Redbeard Outdoors, I talk about faith, family, fitness, and the outdoors. On Tuesdays, you're going to hear gear reviews, mindset, a bunch of different things about tinkering. So tinkering Tuesdays and then Saturdays like today, we have outstanding individuals on the podcast that have excelled at something. I want to learn from them in some sort of fashion. You could be a newbie to hunting or outdoors. And I just want to hear about your story all the way up to people who have been in the outdoors for years and years on end. And I want to learn from their experiences as well. And then sharing those experiences with you. It's a pleasure of mine to be able to meet these people, learn from them, and then share what I learned with you guys, as well as you come along with me on this journey. Thank you so much. As we continue to grow the podcast, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review wherever it is that you're listening. Follow, subscribe, whatever it is the button is that you're clicking. And then go over to the YouTube channel as well where you can watch these videos over on YouTube. Watch the gear reviews and subscribe to us over there as we do uh, giveaways over there as well. And uh, other things that we've got going on so look forward to having you along for the journey but today guys we have an outstanding guest his name is brad and he is with argali if you haven't seen argali gear guys what are you doing (laughs) argali makes some outstanding tents they make teepee style shelters they make nests for the inside if you don't want to deal with bugs They make knives, they make other lightweight gear, and you're going to hear more about that from Brad. I'm going to let him talk more about that. But guys, you will want to listen in to this. And before we get into that conversation, I just wanted to give a shout out to First Form Outdoors. They're an amazing partner of the show. I absolutely love working with First Form and First Form Outdoors. Guys, we want you in the community. The link is down below for the Facebook group. I definitely want you in on there's tons of things going on between challenges and giveaways and November knockdown challenge will be coming up here in no time. But basically, First Form is just an amazing community and we also happen to sell supplements. But guys, it's all about getting better, being at our best and getting outdoors as much as possible, living our best lives, living happier, healthier and more successful lives. So that's what we're all about. Give it a look down there. Let them know Redbeard sent you when you join the group. And uh, if you have any questions about any kind of supplementation from, we've got protein sticks, which are basically jerky sticks, great snacks on the mountain too, protein, uh, post-workout, greens, multivitamin, etc. Let me know. More than happy to chat with you. Shoot me a message, send me an email, whatever you prefer. And I'd love to talk with you on the matter. So with that being said, Let's jump into the conversation here with Brad from Argali, and trust me, you guys are going to want to hear what he has to say about his adventure and the gear that he has created. I'm stoked to be running one of their shelters this upcoming hunt, and you should check it out too. Here we go with Brad. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Redbeard Outdoors podcast. I have an amazing guest here for you guys. His name is Brad Brooks. He is the co-founder and CEO of Argali. Uh, you guys, if you're interested in anything outdoorsy with tents, knives, and and other things along those lines, you've probably seen Argali's stuff. And so I wanted to get Brad on here to kind of discuss his journey and what he's done. Because one, creating a company is a big deal. Um, I'm always... I guess, interested in people's mindset on how that happened and different stories and learning from them. But also of course, in the outdoors industry where there's so many tent companies, there's so many shelter companies and you've found a way to be successful. That's always interesting to me as well. So uh, with that being said, Brad, uh, who are you for those that don't know who you are? And uh, just in a nutshell, who are you?
1: Uh, well, um, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, I'm just a guy who likes to hunt and does, uh, tries to do it as much as I possibly can. And we make gear for, for people like me and other people that just really want the best product out there. Um, so yeah, I do a lot of things, wear a lot of hats, but that might be the easiest synopsis I can give for people that don't know me.
0: No, for sure. And then I guess another question with that is how do you manage now that you've found a way to create a gear company. How, how do you manage your time between hunting? Cause you love hunting and now that you're in the industry, <laughs> you know, everyone wants your attention right around hunting season. Uh, so h- how do you do that?
1: I have a really good team of people who keep our operations, ru- our operation running. It's a team effort, so it's not easy to do all the things and also find the time that I want to go outside, but it's not really an option for me. I, I am a passionate uh, hunter, bow hunter, rifle hunter, whatever, and I've always said that the minute that this whole company becomes not fun is the minute that I get out of the business. So I'm very, I've been very intentional about creating a company with a culture and a team that allows me to have the space I need when I want to go hunting. Um and uh yeah, I, I think the other thing is that I just have to be very, very disciplined with my time. So it's um but it's a constant battle. <laughs> battle gets harder every single year as we as we've grown. But it's just it, to be honest with you, my sanity is directly tied to my time outside and wild places. So it's I just feel like I don't really have an option <laughs> other than to, to do. Uh, to go on hunt, hunts and to be outside as much as I, I can. And I do prioritize it in my life. And I've also, you know, that is one of the nice thing about having your own company is you can make decisions about how you're going to prioritize your time.
0: Exactly. No, that's amazing. And and it's cool that you bring up that you've got a good team because you don't have it all on your shoulders. Obviously, it's, it's your company, uh, but building that team is huge. And for people that that are successful but at the same time are able to go out and enjoy still their passions like you with hunting and getting outside and living what you're creating gear for uh that's you know having a good team is 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 key it's not easy to find good people you can trust so you're not stressing while you're up on the mountain uh but at the same time once you do find that team that's it's a great experience so that's awesome kudos to you
1: yeah no it's we're fortunate lucky that i have people who have the same value set the belief in our brand belief in our company and are as committed to it as i am because without them this it wouldn't work right i wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to go mess around you know for example i think what was it two years ago now i spent almost six weeks up in alaska wow. and i had to it was hard to get that set up, so I could do that, I spent almost ten months trying to get everybody, get the company to a point where I could just be gone for a while. It was still really difficult. It was a burden on other people. It is a burden on people, other people, when I'm gone. But at the same time, <laughs> I wanted to do it, and and we had, you know, we put the right processes and procedures in place, so I could I could do it. So it's it is um, yeah. It's a joy, joy to be able to do that, and a privilege.
0: No, that's amazing. Well, let's uh, let's start from the beginning here. When did you get into hunting and the outdoors? What was the start, I guess, catalyst for you uh, to be able to get into the outdoors?
1: Very stereotypical upbringing. I grew up here in Idaho, where I'm still based, in a family that spent a lot of time outside. So, as a kid,s we traveled, fished, camped. It was a really common part of my summer and uh summers as a kid my dad is from wisconsin he's sort of your stereotypical midwestern hunter and all the the best of ways and so we spent we would we would hunt big game uh, a bit as a kid but it wasn't all the time you know we'd spend a week here or there i'm you know you would i would get pulled out of school to go elk and deer hunting for a week which was always One of the highlights of my year, we did a lot of bird hunting. Uh, My dad was a big waterfowl hunter, so therefore I was a big waterfowl hunter growing up. Did a lot of upland bird hunting, so we just did a bit of everything. And big game was a part of what we hunted, but it certainly wasn't the focus of what I did growing up. Uh, But certainly, just spent lots and lots of time outside, and it wasn't until I became a little older where I really found that that was a thing that I really liked doing the most and, uh, kind of just started doing more of it on my own. Um, I still like all, all the way through college, I still bird hunted quite a bit. Um, I had a, I got a German short hair when I was a junior in college and spent a lot of time chucker hunting, uh, with her, which was a lot of fun. I also played sports in college, uh, in the fall. Um, I was a soccer player, which didn't leave a lot of time for big game hunting when I was in school. I think one of the things that did for me though, was when I got out of school, I felt like I was, I wasn't good enough to go pro. Uh, and I I got to this point where I missed hunting so much. I felt like I had spent four years just focused on school and sports that it was, I kind of went wild with big game hunting that's really when I started backpack hunting. And at the time I I knew zero people that that backpack hunted at all. It wasn't a thing that I was even aware of other people did. It was something that I did just because I liked being in wild country. I liked backpacking and it seemed like a natural way for me to sort of get into some country where where I wasn't going to run into other hunters. And so that was really the beginning of, the style of hunting that I do a lot of today. And I think is really common and popular when I say I got into backpack hunting. Like now it's like, who doesn't backpack hunt in the West? Everybody does or not everybody, but a lot of people do. But back then I, I genuinely didn't know anybody that was doing it. There were people that were doing it, but there wasn't a culture of backpack hunters. There wasn't a culture of backpack hunting on social media. It just didn't exist. So it felt like I was just doing, this thing where simultaneously there are other people doing it. But those those early days of backpack hunting were really formative in sort of solidifying the style and way in which I liked hunting and also helped sort of confirm the type of hunting that I really like doing the most.
0: No, that definitely makes sense to me. Um, you know, it's a it that's a that's a big deal that people I feel like a lot of people don't quite understand the impact that parents have on their kids uh you know that's the fact that you know you say a typical upbringing but honestly nowadays i don't know if it's so typical Mm -hmm. uh, to be able to get get your kids out there and i i grew up the same way in north carolina i loved uh father son campouts we'd go to the boy scout camps Mm -hmm. i was in boy scouts and we were always outside fishing doing stuff whenever we could Uh, and so that was ingrained in me but i do feel like there's a lot of people especially if you get into a workplace where it's an office setting, they just go home and they kind of want to tune out and watch Netflix and do whatever. And their kids see that and they grow up and forget, especially here. in well, you're in Idaho, I'm in Utah, we have some amazing country to be able to explore. And, uh, and you're not going to find that on the TV screen. And so, you know, mm. as parents, that's such a big thing for me that I want to get the kids outside as much as possible. Even if it is just to the park today, I want to get them outside because they need to understand they feel better uh, they enjoy it they make friends they there's so many positives to getting outside so I love that that your dad uh incorporated that um but definitely definitely got to keep that you know pass it forward if you want to put it that way and, and yeah I'm uh,
1: I have two kids two little girls and do the same thing and maybe uh I, I when I said like stereotypical I meant like it's stereotypical for a lot of uh maybe a lot of other people uh, people that hunt is they sort Mm. of were passed on tradition from, from their parents or their family members in some way. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it's the amount of time that I spent as a kid outside is probably not that common (laughs) uh, when you compare it to the rest of the American population. Yep. But it was really, like I said, it was just really um, important for I think who I am today. And I may not even understand how important it is but i know that you know being outside is just really key integral part of my mental sanity and mental health and it probably does stem from my childhood in some way Um, there's probably also something just innate in humans about our need and desire to be outside and not in an office like you and i are both right now
0: Uh, Yeah. Right. (laughs) So exactly. I I'm blessed to be able to work from home so I can, I can just take my kids out whenever I, whenever I've got time. But yeah, no, I, I understand, man, if I could, you know, my office would be, uh, we, where were we at? Oh, we're at my, um, my brother-in-law's house the other day and they just redid their deck. And man, I walked out there and I told my wife, I'm like, if we do this to our deck, I will never come inside. Like I will yeah. roll a sleeping mat out like it's gorgeous. <laughs> I'll work out there, like just amazing. And uh, man, it's just something that I, I think each and every one of us have inside of us. And sometimes it takes a little bit to awaken that if, it, if it's been, I don't know, not encouraged as a kid. And then you grew up, became an adult and you sit at a desk, watch TV, do all those things. Um, you forget how amazing it is to get out there and, and adventure. And the the views you can see that even the best cameras in the world can't capture, you know, when you get up on some of these mountaintops or uh, you know, just the calm, crisp morning on a fall morning and you get up there and you just see the sunrise. And like there's so many things in the outdoors that that get lost in uh the shuffle of of day to day. So um anyway, I I love that. I love that you grew up that way and uh and that your dad would take you out of school. Um yes, I do encourage that. <laughs> I'm yeah. not saying not to encourage that. I, I do. Uh, I, I love that. So um, that's amazing. So then you got, you know, you got into backpacking, you you came out west, um, grew up out here. And then uh, you know, what I guess what got you started towards this idea of creating Argali? And then uh for people out there that don't know, like you should look up Argali for sure because you've got an amazing system that I like with the shelter system. But I guess first, where did Argali come from? What did that start with?
1: Yeah, good question. Um so, let's see. So, grew up here, like I mentioned. Started uh, after college, like really started doing this this adventure hunting thing, and just fell in love with it. And it became, I became obsessed with it. Not obsessed, you know. Again, like I didn't have social media at the time. Like <laughs> there was no company. I wasn't. I was just doing it because I loved it, and I was trying to do as much of it as I possibly could, and. So that was that was my life, right? I was just, like, into this thing. And I had this friend, Jason, who was a filmmaker, and he moved away to Missoula to go to film school. He came back to Boise, and we were catching up, having a beer one night when he got back into town. And I had this idea while we were sitting there because we were talking about hunting media, and I was just telling him, like, I, I really – at the time there wasn't a whole lot of hunting media that I I really related with. Most hunting media was on the sportsman's channel. Um, media was around. That was really the only thing that I really enjoyed that was on like the Sportsman's channel. Most of it was just completely unrelatable to me Mm. because it was, it just wasn't something that I could connect with. It was all about how big was that animal? It wasn't about Mm. like spending time in, these incredible wild places. And I, I innately know and knew then and know now that most hunters, like if you hunt, even if you don't hunt, if you fish, you just spend a time outside. There's prob, there are probably one or two places that are really memorable for you, important to you for, for, for whatever reason, maybe you spent time there with your parents growing up. Maybe it's just a beautiful place that really speaks to you. But if I ask you, you know, to close your eyes and go to your happy place. You're going to go to a place that that you connect with. And that's a place you connect with. Maybe you killed a big animal there. That's an an action or a thing that happened to you, but the place is really what mattered. And so we had this idea to, while we're sitting there, uh, to create a film that was really focused on the value and importance of place. And that night, we just decided we should make a film. I'm not a filmmaker. I don't have a background in filmmaking, but he did. But I also felt like I understood the story. Like I had a really clear vision of the story I wanted to tell. So we made this film called Chasing Ridgelines that was about my brother and I, and my older brother and I. And that film, it was there was no company, right? We, we weren't trying to do anything other than tell a story that I thought was really, I just felt the need to tell the story, felt the need to do it. But there was no plan after that. So we made that film. That film uh, did, you know, fairly well for us in terms of like film, film uh, festival exposure um, just exposure in the in the world and got us some attention. So my buddy Jason and I thought, let's do one more film. That was fun. Let's do another film next next season. And it's like, well, what story do you want to tell? So we sold another story. It was after that second film where we started getting a lot of questions about the gear we were using. And if you watch those films, you'll notice that they're like, they are adventure style films that are really about the adventure that we, that we went on. And it occurred to me that there was, there was probably a business in there somewhere. Uh, at the time, again, I felt like there weren't a lot of options. If you were trying to get into this backpack hunting thing or this adventure hunting thing to know like how to sift through the mass of gear out there and know like what actually works, for versus like which stuff is just kind of garbage, like poorly designed, but marketed really well. So hard to tell, it's hard to tell today. <laughs> it was hard to tell back then. And so we created, I decided to create this uh, website where we would sell a curated list of products. And that was the first iteration of the business is that we would have a curated retail store where we only sold products that we, we had we personally used or we could vouch for based on real experience in the field. Uh, so that that's really kind of where it started. So we kind of started out as like a media company and then transitioned into a product-based business.
0: No, that's, that's amazing. That's really cool. And it is interesting uh, how many people out there are interested in gear. Um, I'm one of those gear junkies. I love to do gear reviews and test new stuff and figure out how, because there's so much out there that could be, there's so many things that could be applied to Kind of general, you can use one thing for many for many uh, possibilities, but there's also some things that are very niche, uh, you know, certain knives or things like that, that you maybe not, you're not going to use in the kitchen, but you're going to use to backpack hunt. But you may not also use it for, you know, camp hunting, like from the truck, uh, because you maybe want to have your duty knife there. So there's so many different things that you can go down the, the rabbit hole with. And I, I love that you guys started with first telling a story. And then recognizing that there was this idea or need for, uh, answering questions on gear. And then on top of that, you didn't just start selling whatever, like you use, you sold what you believed in, which obviously you're not trying to hit every single person on the market because there's some stuff that you're going to use that I may not use. Right. But people trusted your opinions. They saw that you guys went out and did it through your storytelling and your videos and media and, uh, and then. From there, I mean, that's awesome that it just took off.
1: Yeah. it's. I mean, we've transitioned a number of times as a business, right? So like the, and I don't know how much you want to get into that, but like that was the, that was the first iteration of our, of our business. And it's, it's transformed a number of times since then, had a lot of dead ends and, and done some things that didn't work. We've done some things that have worked. Um, it took us a while to figure out who we were as a brand, as a company. But at the core of it was always this idea that we are, we're just people that, like I said in the intro, I'm just a guy who likes to hunt and I try and do a lot of it. I like adventure hunting. And when you do that, you really need good gear to help you have a good time. Like you don't have to have expensive gear, but good gear sure as heck makes a big difference when you're spending a lot of time outside hunting. And we've always like everything we've done is really, um, it feels like we're just creating gear for ourselves. Like I'm just making things that I want to use. And our philosophy has always been sort of, I hope other people see the value in what we're creating as well, but I've never had to think we've never entered a product or made a product with the approach of, man, what is it that hunters want? Cause we don't know, but let's just like, look at some market research. No, it's always been based off of what we see and feel the needs are based on experience in the field. Not trying to guess what people need, um, which has really given us, I I feel like a leg up in the world because we're just, (laughs) we are our customers, right? Mm -hmm.
0: Exactly. Yeah. No, I I definitely, I definitely appreciate that aspect of it. You know, and personally, when I do my own gear reviews, it's very similar where, you know, there's so many things out there that you could just test. You can go on Amazon and buy a bunch of cheap stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. But I love giving quality reviews on things that I believe in and I will use and explaining, uh, you know, how to, to use those items and why I would use them. And so like my friends always tell me I'm an expensive friend to have, because when I get passionate about something and it's a gear item, like I can talk your ear off about it and every single thing that I've loved about it, how I've used it, et cetera. Um, and, and they're always like, you always make us want to buy it, not because you're trying to sell us something, but because you genuinely believe in that product. And so I love that approach that you guys take because, you know, you could have a bunch of suits sitting there looking at research and all this um, and it, it works to a degree. But at the same time, the fact that you've got basically a resume of using these items and how you would use them. Is more than likely how a lot of people who actually go out and use the gear will use it. So, um, I think that's something that a lot of people crave is just that direct knowledge, not just a numbers spreadsheet thing, but something that you've actually used, put through the works, and then come out to market with. So that's that's awesome. Yeah. So with with that being said, what was the first item that you guys made as Argali, like your
1: own branded yeah. game bags? feel like we it feels like today everybody makes a game bag there's a lot of options <laughs> out there I, I i suppose uh uh but at the time there, there, when we made ours it, there weren't it was in terms of like technical reusable game bags there were a couple options out there that i thought were decent but not great and i think it, it sent for me being a little frustrated with a product i was using when i was out in the field that I felt like had some cheap materials worked into an otherwise Mm -hmm. like decent product. Um, for starters, the paracord on game bags at the time that you, that you close the bag with was always cheap cloth material that couldn't handle any weight. So, you know, I feel like what I did is sit down with a simple product and design something where we didn't cut any corners. Like the entire product was really, you know, really well thought out, designed for for technical performance, and uh, sized in a way to make to simplify the number of products that people needed to buy. So instead of selling like a game bag set for pronghorn, a different one for deer, and a different one for sheep, I felt uh, I I felt like as a consumer the size of those animals is such that you could sell one product for people that they can use for all those animals. And that's just like, it, it reduces the number of stuff people need to buy. First of all, which is an honest, to me, that's like an honest relationship with our customers. I mean, like, I could make you a branded pronghorn game bag set, but you don't need it. I could, or we could just make you, you know, one game bag set that works for any deer size game, any of them. And and not try and just market a product just because we can sell it. Uh, that would annoy me as a consumer. Um, and so it, it it allowed us to I think create a real honest relationship up front with our our uh, customers. So we um, brought that. Uh, I say you know I like to say we brought technical design to game bags, and it did really well for us early on. Um, surprised me that we sold we sold out of our first run of game bags in a couple of weeks. So we made some, and it's not like we made a, you know, a million of them, but we made a number that I thought was more than we could sell and we sold out of them right away. And that shocked me, surprised me, made me happy, but also made me sad because I underestimated what we could do. But we were a new company making a new product as a company that had never made anything before. So it felt like a huge gamble. And I used, you know, we, my wife and I used our savings to, to, to fund that. So it felt like we were putting a lot of our money on the line and we were to do that. Um, you know, since then I've, I've (laughs) put a lot more money of our own money into our company. But, um, that first time I think was the scariest.
0: No, that definitely makes sense. And, and yeah, for, you know, there's, I, I, again, I guess what, what's the right word? Um, I don't know i just lost it but basically i i respect i guess would be i have a, a high level of respect for people like yourself that start these companies and put your own money into it like you don't go out and crowdsource and fund that way um for everything you've put your money your blood sweat tears into this product and and honestly like i could i can understand uh where you come from where you're like you're putting all this on the line and then you end up selling out so like on one end, you're super excited. And then on the other end, you're like, dang it. Like that was a gamble I should have taken. But at the same time, you you were super successful. So those, the, those, those are those constant uh, entrepreneur emotions that happen where you're like, all right, am I going to gamble on this? Okay, I'll gamble a little bit more. And then maybe that time it's not as good. Uh, but then the other times where you're like, oh, I'm going to be more conservative and then it like blows you out of the water. So there's always those moments. And that's that's uh, that's cool to to hear. So you're right. Game bags. There's so many of them, again, saturated in the market. But uh, the fact that you looked at and you were like, these are ones that we've used and let's make them better. I absolutely love that mindset rather than sitting back and complaining and being a keyboard warrior and, you know, going out and be like, oh, these bags suck, blah, blah, blah. You were like. <laughs> I'm just going to make something better, like not nothing against this company, but I want something better. It's not out there. I'm going to go do it. I I definitely respect that mindset and absolutely love that. So you built the game bags. And then what was after game bags?
1: That was the next thing we made were uh, hunting knives. So we actually made just one knife. um, And, you know, talk about a a world with uh, lots of options, right? Like There's a. (laughs) 10,000, a million different knives out there. Um, But again, I just felt like the knife that I really wanted, nothing was like kind of perfect for what, I'm very particular if you haven't figured out by now about what I like. And it just felt like there were a lot of really good options, but not a lot of great options out there for hunting specifically. Um, And so, and mostly what I was trying to figure out is how to create the right shape and design of a knife that also had the right angle you know bevel angle that was really focused in on creating a a functional hunting tool at the right weight and that was our carbon knife was the first knife um i ever designed we ever made and it still has like i'd say like you know a cult following there are people that love that knife so much and uh, i love it still we've made other knives since then but that one, to me, was really my ideal sort of jack-of-all-trades knife for field butchering any animal. Um, it's a personal preference thing. You know, there's a lot of people that like different styles of knife for different reasons uh, based on the way in which they butcher, et cetera. But that knife – and that was a process, man. Just getting a knife made was really complicated. In fact, getting game bags made was complicated. It was not easy. Lots of headaches. Um, uh, almost, you know, the game, game bags. While I was making that knife, we were making more more game bags. We had a we had a bad sewing batch of game bags at the time, that that damn near sank us because <laughs> because we had yeah it was like a it's just like manufacturing problems. Um, you're gonna go through them at some point if you make a physical product. Nothing is gonna be perfect. Um, it happens to everybody. But at the time, it felt like it was just going to sink us because I care so much about quality. I care about our customer experience so much that while I was working on that knife, we had this game bag issue come up and it was like, all right, maybe this is the end. Maybe this is the end of us. Cause I have to like give all these people like the right proper product, which means I'm gonna have to fund that, you know, we're gonna have to fund that mm-hmm. out of the company's budget. Um, so anyways, but yeah, so the carbon knife was the, was the first knife we made.
0: Pardon the brief interruption here, guys, but I want to give a quick shout out to the partners of the show. Guys, I have some amazing partners. absolutely love working with the companies that I get to work with and in turn provide discounts to you so you can get the best gear in your hands possible. So here we go. First form, guys. First form and first form outdoors. Absolutely love the brand. Again, best supplements on the market. For me, things that are going to stick out while I'm training off season is that post-workout stack, the greens, the micro factor, which is the multivitamin and more. And on top of that, when I'm up in the mountain guys, I'm going to want to have the protein sticks, which are basically jerky sticks, 20 grams of protein per jerky stick. It is outrageous and awesome. Plus I'm going to be using that post-workout stack up in the mountains and taking my greens because you know, we don't get enough Good food while we're up on the mountain. So that is First Form Outdoors. We also got Alpen Fuel and Heather's Choice, my go-to meals for the backcountry guys. Check out the codes down below as you're placing those orders. Black Ovis, code Redbeard10, save some money. Go grab your last-minute gear, guys. Hurry up and grab it before it goes so fast as everyone else is uh, procrastinating and getting their gear last minute. All Indigenous Scoping, best digiscoping on the market. That bino adapter will be released here very shortly and guys it is exciting to have the bino adapter the spotting scope adapter be able to get the footage that you want and be able to share it with your loved ones when you get back initial ascent code red beard save some money on your pack guys best pack on the market as far as carrying weight is concerned and it just looks good plus it's got a guy with an orange beard on it so come on a3 archery bowstrings cryptech kestrel glassing systems quattro archery stabilizers dark energy go ruck sheep feet my medic affect beard oil muley freak bino harness and bow hunters united and of course joy bees got to have those joy bees guys Uh, better than crocs in my opinion and you can get them in cryptex so just look awesome all right guys with that being said if you have any questions about any of those companies listed send me an email or shoot me a message on instagram be more than happy to chat with you now let's get back to the conversation with brad in our golly yeah so i'm looking at the site right now so we've got the carbon knife which is more of that it's got a good belly on it but it's uh, a little bit more slender Mm -hmm. and then um it's you know skeletonized handle is that g10 on the handles yeah it's textured g10
1: on there yep awesome awesome yeah
0: that's always good for especially when you get uh blood on your hands or your gloves whatever you're using it gets a little slick um, yeah, and, and we then, made that so it has
1: like a long skinny blade that has a mm-hmm. curvature, you know, curvature from the handle from the, from the back of the handle all the way to the tip of the tip of the um, cutting area. Mm-hmm. And that really that curvature on the top combined with the belly on the bottom give you this really nice hand feel that is mm-hmm. kind of good at everything. So whether you're like skinning, deboning, um, uh, whatever you're doing to field butcher an animal. You've got complete control of that knife. Um, You've got a lot of real estate on the cutting surface, a long runway there, which, you know, when you spread out the use of your knife over a longer area, that knife will tend to feel like it's staying sharper a lot longer Mm -hmm. because you're spreading out the use over that cutting surface, right? Um, Instead of concentrating it. Some knife shapes are designed such that you end up using a very small percentage of Mm -hmm. the cutting surface a lot more, so it feels like your knife doles out a lot a lot quicker um so this is where like the art of knife design comes in figuring out how to create a cutting surface where you're truly spreading out the use of the knife over the over that entire uh, real estate frontage that um, uh, that is the cutting surface of the blade um, the carbon does a really good job of that um, and it's also made an s35 vn steel which is uh, you know super really steel i still steel. think it's one of the best possible steels for big game hunting application mm-hmm. because it's it's it holds an edge incredibly long time but you can also you know field sharpen it if you need to it's not so hard that you can't get an edge back on it if you want so it's a it it, it is a um kind of a jack of all trades knife um it kind of surprised me when i was let like, me a year or two ago i had a sheep guide up in alaska reach out and uh talk tell me that you know he he's been using it for years and and uh well since we came out with it. And he told me that like, yeah, man, there's a bunch of sheep guys, love this knife. And I was like, really? I had no, it's like one well, of those things I had no idea. No <laughs> idea it was a thing, but it it um, just kind of speaks to the, I guess the, for whatever reason, the product works well and gain, has gained a reputation because of the weight, the shape and the functionality of it um, in certain places and still that still persists to this day.
0: Yeah, no, that's really awesome. And uh, yeah i really like it i like the design just looking at it here i think the one that i've mainly seen at shows is the serac yeah um is that how you pronounce it
1: That's you nailed it
0: okay the serac yeah guy. um and that one draws my attention as well but the the carbon is pretty sweet um it's definitely got that more slender uh oh it's not quite Havilon slender but yeah. it's uh you know it's got a good belly on it and then i'd I was noticing that curvature as well. That's pretty cool. Um, definitely more ergonomic. So, so that's awesome. Uh, that's really cool. And then the, um, I guess, walk us through the the serrac knife, because what I'm, what I'm personally noticing here and what I remember just seeing it at shows, um, that's a knife that for me uh, kind of stands out. One, because of the jimping on the top, uh, especially near the point of the blade where you can put your index finger on and get kind of in those deeper areas. It looks a little bit beefier, so you can kind of beat up on it a little bit more. And it's still got the skeletonized grip, uh, the G ten grip on it. So I guess what was uh what was the thought behind that one?
1: Yeah, you just you just nailed it. So like I we got feedback after it came out the carbon that some people were like, I just like a deeper belly, you know. They're like I, I like more of a skinning style blade. And I'm you know, I, I don't I'm never gonna create a product just to have have another mm-hmm. product if it doesn't add some value or solve some problem. So um, we started working on the CERAC. I wanted something that had exactly like what you just described, like a little deeper belly to it for people that preferred that shape. But I didn't want to just have like a skinning knife. I want a knife to be do it all knives for hunting. A traditional skinner is going to be like big fat belly on it. But a traditional skinner is also, you know, kind of useless for anything other than skinning. And I'm not going to carry like multiple knives personally when I'm out hunting. I'm not going to carry like Mm -hmm. one for skinning and then one for deboning and then one for caping. Like I'm going to take one knife. That's it.
0: You don't want like 10 pounds of knives in your backpack? What's that? (laughs) You don't want like 10 pounds of knives
1: in your backpack? No, No, I don't personally. (laughs) Um, I do remember growing up as a kid though, my dad would have like a field butchering kit and he would have like five (laughs) knives with him and it would roll up in like a leather that's Ouch. what I was no. just
0: about to say. Was it a big leather sheet? That's awesome. Yes. You know exactly <laughs> what
1: I'm talking about. Yep. Um. So, yeah, that was the, that was the so the Serac was created to sort of salt to, to be that middle of the road skinning style blade that is still has that modified drop point on it on the tip. So you can still do all the fine detail work you need. You can still debone. You can still um, get in tight spaces if you're doing the gutless method, getting backstraps out. It's still does really well at all of that. It just has a different, a little bit different blade profile to it. Mm -hmm. And then it also has a ferro rod striker cut into the top there. Um, You know, honestly we sell equal numbers roughly of Sarah and carbons. So it's, it's a, it's a wash on whether or not on what people prefer, but there are people who are like Sarah is my blade. And there are people who are like, no carbon is my blade. It's there are (laughs) strong loyalties to either, to both of those styles, depending on it, personal preference and it really does yeah. just come down to like what do you like and yeah. what is the style of knife that you like and people have very different opinions on those and there isn't a wrong one it's just mm. personal personal preference
0: yeah no for sure the uh yeah i i would definitely be in the serac group um but the, i also agree that there's so many different knives for different purposes again going back to kind of what i was saying at the beginning there there's there's a good knife for everything, but you also don't want to be that guy that's carrying that leather sheath around with, you know, 10 different knives. Uh, it comes in handy when your buddies forget theirs and you're, they're coming to help you clean an animal or something like that, but, uh, it it can, it can cause some weight in your pack. Um, and yeah, I I was going to ask you about that little divot there at the top in between the jumping, but that makes sense to have that ferro rod, uh, striker. So that's that's cool. I, I like that. And and the aesthetics of it. Like the for me, the Serac definitely stands out a little bit more is that uh yeah. you know, just beefier, beefier knife. Yeah. So yeah.
1: It looks beefier. I think it fits guys with bigger hands a little better because it has a bigger choil in it. So where the part where you put your index finger. Mm-hmm. It has a it has a really nice hand feel to mm-hmm. it. And uh certainly it's if you grab our knives, like the one thing everybody notices about the Serac is you put it in your hand and you're just like it just feels nice Mm -hmm. you're like i feel like i have complete control over this blade
0: yeah and and what i can remember too even though it is a little bit beefier it's still a really lightweight blade Um, yeah you're two (laughs) ounces, two two ounces really yeah Yeah, that's not that's not bad at all well that's awesome okay so knives um and then so we talked about knives game bags so you guys have and I, i guess i haven't been on the site in a while but um just looking here you've got trekking poles. And then my biggest thing that I want to get to is the tents because again, all of these items, I mean, you guys have come into the market and you're making items that I'm going to keep addressing this this way, but a saturated market, because it really is the outdoor industry. There's, there's everything from the cheap Walmart tents all the way up to the most expensive tents that you can find that weigh less than a feather and cost you two grand. You know, there's and everything in between. So there, there's so many tents out there and shelters. I personally have not gone the shelter route because uh, I don't like to wake up with bugs in my mouth or in my beard or, you know, ticks or what. Like nah. for me, I want to be able to sleep, lay down, sleep. And the worst thing that's going to happen to me is maybe a bear. And I'm OK with that. At that point, you're just kind of screwed. Um, but I don't want to deal with bugs while I'm sleeping. So what stood out to me is your tents are dual purpose. So they are, you can have them as a shelter, a hot shelter, or you can purchase the insert, which, and I'm just noticing here, you've got even half insert, So that's awesome. So walk me through your, I guess you've got the Rincon and the, uh, you've even got a one person tent. Okay. Walk me through your tents.
1: <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> bet. So, so again, our, our, our our journey as a company has been that we have come out with products that we feel like are filling a niche or a need based on our experience in the field. One of the key reasons that we created tents is the fabric. So mm. we use a a ripstop, uh, nano ripstop silk polyester fabric for our tents. The reason that we created tents uh, is I have used a, I own a lot of tents, I have used a lot of tents. And especially when you start getting into these single pole tents, so like single pole in the middle, either pyramid style or teepee style, which I use a lot of, they're all pretty much made out of nylon fabric. The nylon is a great fabric, but the downside of nylon is it sags tremendously when it gets wet. So you get heavy condensation, you get snow, you get rain. And it just eats away at the usable space inside your tent to a degree that is, so annoying! I can't, I can't overstate it. I genuinely can't. <laughs> and the problem is that nylon can absorbs water vapor. Even if it's your your tent is waterproof, but water vapor mm-hmm. can still get through the the waterproof coating into the actual fibers of the fabric, and it causes that those fibers then stretch when they get saturated with water. So, it's just part of the properties of nylon, and and the guy got so annoyed i was like there's got to be a better fabric out there than the nylon so and, and polyester has been used by companies for a long time it's it, it there are cheap polyesters and there are cheap nylons and there are many companies like walmart tents for example or tents that you can get at walmart that would use like a cheap polyester and for years it was like You know polyester was branded as this inferior weaker cheaper fabric so we started doing our own research and you know it turns out that it's not like technology is caught up and polyester there are some really high grade uh polyesters that we started playing around with and they don't have any stretch they're naturally hydrophobic meaning they can't the fabric can't absorb water so you get uh you can have these lightweight fabrics that don't have uh the same stretch issues that nylon has so that was a key reason we created our tent line Um, and then the other thing is you know there are shapes sizes and weights that i felt like were a little bit more functional and feature sets on those tents that i felt like were a little bit more practical and functional based on the hunting situations for example putting line locks on all the bottom bottom of our tent so you can adjust the pitch uh, depending on how level the ground you're on is making the way in which they pitch incredibly easy simple um so you don't you know when you're setting up your tent in the dark which i do all the time um you're not fussing around with it it's just consistent across our entire tent line so we launched last year a two and a four person tent our ring 2p and our absurdo 4p which are pyramid style tents and then this year we launched our owyhee 1p tent and i've got more coming out next year but that's what we've got in our tent line right now. Um, all of them have been, you know, we've been fairly meticulous about the size, the shape and the way they pitch and also trying to make, you know, a minimalist shelter that has, you can, you can run it as a floorless shelter with a stove, which we also have now, um, Mm -hmm. or you can run them with an insert. So, you know, if you want a full double wall coverage bathtub floor, and uh, mosquito netting you can run them with both pieces together so it gives you we call them modular designs so you can run them just with the rainfly portion you can run them with an insert and the rainfly you've got options as a uh, as a user and a consumer based on what you're doing and the time of year so like during summer scouting season i'm going to take an insert because mosquitoes and bugs are an issue during hunting season i pretty much only use go floorless um just just the way I why I like to do it Mm -hmm. um but most people carry both pieces throughout the year that's um so it gives you some options but yeah that's our that's kind of the genesis of our tent line
0: no that's amazing and uh I know we're we're coming up here on a you've got a hard stop because you're a busy man and wear all the hats so uh but I I I definitely wanted to just say guys like people out there listening if you haven't heard of our golly First off, where have you been? But second off, uh, go check them out. And uh, I really do love the tents. I love the idea. And like I said, for me personally, I like, that's why I've stayed away from shelters is in cold weather season, I'd be okay with it because obviously you want the heat. Um, Haven't delved into that 100% yet, but for warmer weather, definitely prefer to have that insert. And I love that you can do both. Um, And you've even come out with an even cooler idea that I haven't seen where it's half the tent is an insert. And the other half is you can either sleep floorless. You can put a a heater in it, a stove, or you can just use it as an extra space for storage. Um, and it doesn't need to be in your insert itself. So guys definitely go check out the tents or what really drive or drove my interest in, in your company. And then you've got tons of other stuff. So again, great gear made by people who actually use it. Um, I guess wrapping up here, what would be something maybe you want to leave with the listeners? Is there anything maybe we haven't brought up that you want to throw in there?
1: Oh man. Uh, that's a good question. I, I, I don't know. I'd say, you know, if yeah, anybody wants to check out our products, I'd encourage you to um, and take a look at them. You know, we, we really try and make all of our gear specifically designed for and by hunters and there's a reason behind everything we make all of the details and everything you, you don't have to agree with it but there's a reason behind it <laughs> yeah. um so yeah i guess probably all probably all i got to say you. awesome well i'm gonna leave the links down below guys for everyone
0: out there listening or watching this uh go check out our i'm gonna leave their social media links and their website link down below uh get your gear now before hunting season Uh, so you're not scrambling last minute when things aren't available because everyone else is scrambling last minute as well. And uh, as I always say, guys, get out, live your life, and love it. Wow, that was just a great conversation. I'm always blown away by the guests, but Brad just has an awesome experience between uh, why he created the gear, his adventure leading up to that, and just his knowledge with business and how they are creating some of the best gear on the market when it comes to shelters, and teepee-style shelters, the nest that goes inside of it. I'm really interested in all of that, along with the other lightweight gear that they offer. So, guys, definitely go check them out. I'll leave the link down below so you can check out our Golly stuff. Uh, Let them know Redbeard sent you. And uh, thanks again to Brad for being on the show and sharing his knowledge, such a wealth of knowledge. and just You can tell he's passionate about the outdoors, hunting, getting outside, everything that goes along with that. That being said, guys, just a couple other items here. First, remember that if you're worried about a different flavor, something along those lines with first form, any of the supplements, maybe the protein powder, et cetera, remember there's a 110% money back guarantee. I don't know of any other company out there that does 110% money back guarantee, but if there is something that you order that you don't like, let them know at customer service, you will get a response. That's another amazing thing about first form is the customer service response is fantastic. So go check it out, link down below guys, so you can get free shipping. And of course, if you're enjoying this show, you wanna share it with others, I'd appreciate it if you would share it wherever your social media is, tag me in it on Facebook, Instagram, Uh, shoot me a message and let me know. Also leave a review, that helps way more than you know, costs you no money and it supports the show amazingly. So thank you guys so much for continuing to help grow this show. Hope you have an outstanding rest of your weekend And of course, get out, live your life, and love it.